Welcome to The Next Imperative, a podcast hosted by AM energy leaders tackling key issues and trends in the industry. In this episode, Senior Director Jeff Angulo and co-host Senior Director Kyle Vano are joined by energy experts Robin Fielder from Talos Energy, Peter Kusera from Trafigura, and Ajay Jagadizian from Oak Tree Capital Management to provide clarity on what energy transition is all about. I'm Jeff Angulo, your host and moderator, and I also lead the strategy and transactions practice at the Conrite Group. Joining me as co-host today is my colleague Kyle Vano, who leads Conrite's Energy Transition and Sustainability Group. Kyle and I would like to welcome our three esteemed guests, Robin Fielder, Executive Vice President, Low Carbon Strategy and Chief Sustainability Officer at Talos Energy, Peter Casera, Head of Energy Transition North America at Trifigura, and Ajay Jagadizian, Senior Technical Advisor at Oak Tree Capital Management. Welcome, and let's jump into the conversation. Thank you. Yeah. A lot of people have been talking about energy transition, and those conversations have increased over recent years. I've also sensed there's a lot of confusion about what it really means. And I think it'd be nice to set the stage now to get that conversation going. So Kyle, how do you find define energy transition? Yeah, so energy transition really has taken on a broad definition and there has been a lot of confusion on what it means. And in its simplest sense, energy transition is exactly that. It's a transition from one fuel source to the next. And what we've seen is it's nothing new. Uh, we've been doing it our entire history. We've gone from whale oil to coal to fossil fuels, and now we're looking at new low carbon technologies and green technologies like wind and solar. I think the biggest thing that's changed with this energy transition is in the past, it was driven by reliability and economic prosperity. Yeah. This time, the narrative is really driven by decarbonization, reducing sure. global emissions. And that's really where this energy transition is has changed from from prior and historical changes. So I, I know energy transition can mean different things at different parts of the value chain. How are you guys thinking about it in your respective parts of um, the investment world, the trading world, and even the upstream world? Yeah. Um, so I think I like you know, like you mentioned, um, I think uh, the word transition says it all. Um, it's just uh, in this context, I would just say that uh, it's just moving from um, uh, what we have right now, which is fossil fuel based. Um, uh, power sources uh, to more and more of the renewables uh, like wind and solar and um, even talks about fusion, um, you know, happening right now. So um, it's fascinating, like four or five years ago, uh, it was all happening in different silos. Um, the word energy transition had not caught on, but now you look everywhere, you know, it's a buzzword mm -hmm. and everyone's talking about it. So, uh, yeah, it's very pertinent, you know, what we're talking about uh, here today. I think from the trading side, you know, our role is, as commodity traders and supply chain managers is really matching producers and consumers of fuels, um, fuels, metals, wh whatever it may be. So I think here in energy transition, for us, it's a, a lot of, a lot of the, the challenge that we're having is really a supply side constraint today. I think the co consumer is aware that no or low carbon fuels are what they need to be transitioning towards. I think there's a push from companies, from individuals, from governments to move in that direction. And the the constraint that we see, and I think the challenge to, to be solved at least first, is really finding supply into those markets to, to make those choices available for consumers. So I think that's that's where we find a lot of the focus from the Trafigura side for energy transition is how can we unlock and support and underwrite 
new supply of, of new types of technology or lower carbon fuels. Yeah, as a upstream or exploration and production operator, I think it's it's not just transition. I think about it as transformation um, and really evolution as we think about even just how upstream oil and gas has evolved over the last several decades. I think it's about evolving and continuing to improve our footprints and how we do um, our operations in a very safe and environmentally responsible manner, continue to, to reduce emissions as much as we can. Um, and look to, to find ways to capitalize on our competitive advantages and, and skill sets. And so that's where, you know, we're getting into the, the CCS space, working as doing decarbonization solutions for others. So it's the end use of our products. But we also see that as, um, as a way to move into a new blue economy. So it's, it's, it's kind of playing both sides of the house and be an enabler, having, having a CCS solution in place for whether it's blue fuels or other blue products. Uh, that can be decarbonized on the front end. And I think that's a very important word that you use. It's not necessarily a transition. That's almost a fallacy when you think about energy <laughs> transition. That's right. You think about it from a transformation standpoint, it's more practical in a sense. And when you look at past transitions, we're still burning wood chips. We had this conversation the other mm -hmm. day, you know, the coal facilities are coming back online to answer some of the energy supply yeah. and the demand needs that are happening. So it's, it's, I think there's a stat out there, it's taken 50 years for one new fuel source to become 25% right. of the supply. So it's gonna happen over time. And it's not yeah. saying we're gonna immediately shut off the taps and get rid of fossil fuel. I think we have to look at it in a pragmatic way from a trans transformation standpoint, not a transition <clears throat> standpoint. Yeah, I think Robin, you hit it on, uh, you know, the head. You know, uh, it's just a, um, it's not just finding new sources of energy. It's more of, you know, the existing sources of energy and how we can, you know, decarbonize those as much as possible. And CCUS, uh, you know, has, uh, you know, come a long way. Uh, and still, I think we're still in the second or third inning in that. But uh, I think that's going to be a very, um, you know, uh, a very helpful technology. Uh, before we transition out to uh, fully renewable sources or like majority of renewable energy sources. Fantastic. There are a few other terms that are bandied about these days that are creating confusion in the marketplace. And in many cases, I think they're interrelated, but also uniquely or distinct. Um, for example, energy transition, ESG, and sustainability. Robin, can you share some thoughts on, on how those are interlinked and how they're not and how people should be thinking about them? Yeah, sure. I think of sustainability as a really broad umbrella. I think true sustainability is about strategy. And within that, you certainly have the various elements of ESG. So environmental, social and governance and, and how, you know, really good responsible companies run their business, how they take care of, of their people, their assets and their communities um, and do all that inside a nice governed umbrella. Um, and then energy transition is just kind of what's going, as Kyle pointed out, is what's going on around us. And so being able to use that strategy to position yourself, look at uh, what you bring to the table. Again, as an operator, we know that we've got um, the expertise in the subsurface. And so that's where CCS made a lot of sense for us when we think about sequestration and being able to characterize the subsurface and actually do the, the operations to drill a well, monitor a well. Um, and, and operate that long term, it's, it's really putting all those puzzle pieces together. And for us, it started with a sustainability goal and, and wanting to, to build out an ESG committee. 
and doing CCS is just one of, of many things that we're looking at that fall into, we have a 10 subcommittee team looking at all things that fall into this broad category. Yep, that's great. And we've also seen you know, ESG become the mechanism from which we measure the performance around the sustainability piece. And it, it's really been used um, somewhat in the investment community to yep. monitor performance of those assets. LPs and GPs might be yep. thinking about ESG as a way to divert capital and look yep. at new investments. And, and you see difference of, is it a primary kind of criterion or is it a secondary criterion? So ESG is has become that that conversation of the market of how do I measure that performance around sustainability and then energy transition plays a role in supporting that overall ESG narrative. Yeah. So how are you guys thinking about it from an <clears throat> oak tree perspective? Yeah, I think uh, very similarly. Um, I think uh, the way I think about it is uh, just a um, uh, ESG as a framework or a means to an end to uh, get into, in this case, uh, more of a sustainable production. Um, in my mind, but personally, I think uh, I put security before sustainability, uh, especially that's a, a very pertinent topic, um, you know, today um, as uh, big, as we have the crisis unfold in Europe. Um, uh, it's coming to light that, you know, you need energy security first, and that actually uh, does not derail the sustainable uh, goals, but it actually uh, enhances it. So, uh, and the same thing with the fossil fuels, um, you know, uh, as we transition into the energy sources, uh, the renewable energy sources, uh, we need fossil fuels to bridge that gap. Maybe it's a move to more of a natural gas and then in completely into renewable energy sources. So that's kind of how we are thinking about it uh, broadly. I, th I think the point you make on, on the bridge fuels is interesting. And I think the, well, our observation, I think everyone around the table's observation has probably been there's incremental improvements that can be made across all sorts of operations that have nothing to do with going from a full fossil fuel or hydrocarbon based economy to a full you know, green hydrogen world in the future. So there's a lot of focus. I think we've all seen around methane intensity as sort of a, what I think is going to end up being a, de a defining attribute of us natural gas as it is exported to other parts of the world, particularly in Europe where it's getting more and more needed. Um, and I think there's a lot of, of focus that companies have just on looking inward at operations and where can you find efficiencies, where are things that um, you can improve. Again, I think fugitive emissions is a great example of that, that make dollars and cents that help move your fuel to a lower carbon intensity from a, from a life cycle emissions perspective. Yeah. And when you look at it, I mean, Robin, you brought up the, the G aspect of ESG and the governance. and. Peter, you're talking about looking internally of how do I decarbonize my internal assets or operating efficiency, asset efficiency. You know, you talk about the setting up the committees and that makes sure that there's alignment from these ESG sustainability initiatives between the board all the way down to production foreman and superintendent. So those committees are also significantly important from a government's aspect that helps support some of that environmental decarbonization as well. That's right. You really have to put the accountability in place. So you've, we've got kind of the subject matter, technical experts in the various disciplines, whether it's you know cybersecurity, enterprise risk, uh, whether it's diversity, equity, inclusion, or even how are we gonna participate through an energy transition? And that's where our, our CCS and our Talos Low Carbon Solutions uh, business was was built out of, out of that one sub team. 
Uh, but that group reports up through me and up through our board's safety, sustainability, and corporate responsibility committee um, and into the broader board. So you've got these kind of checks and balances to ensure that uh, we've got the buy-in, that we're, we're thinking about things in, in a smart manner, not just to, it's not about checking boxes, it's about setting up the, the energy company of tomorrow, attracting the right talent, making sure we've got our defenses up for what may go bump in the night. That's just a matter of good governance. Uh, but again, also looking internally to see what key skill sets do I have, what capabilities, what expertise can I, can I use through any kind of transition, transformation, or evolution, and position myself um, again, back to that strategy to be very successful in that and competitive in that space. Thank you for listening. Make sure to subscribe to The Next Imperative so you never miss a new episode. Also, visit our website at alvarezandmarsal.com to learn more and to connect with us.